0: asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number 1, that's not the nature of this show. And number 2, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for 2 hours or spreadsheet cash flows Because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that. The opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on money, educating the investors and the planners this morning of the South Shore in the Merrimack Valley. We're on 95.9 FM, WATD in Marshfield and 980 AM WCAP in Lowell. Excuse me, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed and we're doing some financial modeling this morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm here with a a volunteer who I have not met before uh, this morning, um, though I had some data in advance and we're creating a a retirement plan for her. And I was just saying um, off air that it's, um, I I just love it. I mean, I love planning in general, but I love this because it's just a little bit non-traditional in that, um, you know, sale of the property, traveling for a year, no intention of purchasing after that, renting, um, I just, I just love it. And it's, this is, so we're working through all these details and um, Bridget's a number person just like me. So we're, we're sort of enjoying this data entry process, but I do fully understand that it's not the exciting part for our listeners. So we are getting to the modeling, I, I promise. Um, all right, so we I th- I think we're pretty good. We worked through the expenses, and actually um, off air, Bridget and I were um, analyzing um, a cash flow report, which is essentially just a spreadsheet. And this is spreadsheeting. Um, at the top, it's showing sources of income, and then at the bottom, it's showing expenses or outflows. Um, in, in expenses in your life include taxes and things, and, uh, income taxes and things like that. Um, and then it's um, so we were kind of just analyzing this. So actually, while we're while we're talking about this, um, let's just make sure that this this data entry looks good so for the next five years Bridget is intending to, um, to work at roughly two hundred thousand dollars per year um, and we have her expenses um, itemized for her as they currently are but we've made that modification of sale of the property in five years um, purchase of the van camper that you're going to be traveling the country with love it um, and then rental expenses kicking into your life after you travel for that year so no intention of homeownership but I'm um, kicking in some rental expenses there. Um, and then we've made some other modifications to her expenses in the future, like adding some extra travel and retirement. Um, and we have to actually, while I'm talking about this, we have to get to healthcare because, because you are anticipating retiring before you're Medicare eligible, you will have a period of time of like the pretty substantial health mm-hmm. insurance costs. So have you looked into this at all?
1: No, Okay. I've just been trying to understand and what the cost will be
0: yeah. Um, So, okay. So right now I have your um, medical dental vision um, and you put some money in an FSA, it looks like annually. So I have that and we're gonna, that is gonna stop at retirement at 56. And then uh, just by the way, I I usually double the rate of inflation on healthcare related expenses. So we've we've blanketed a 3% Mm -hmm. inflation. I use a six on medical. I know at our our company, our healthcare has gone up 7, 8, 9, 10% per year in the last several years. So mm-hmm. we could go higher than that if you want. It's, it's just hard to know how that will change going forward. Um, so yeah, we need to pop in a health, I, I put in a Medicare related expense. So for people that are 65 and are Medicare eligible, the Medicare premium itself for most people's level of, it does change based on your level of income. But for most people, it's like $130 a month for just the Medicare premium. Mm-hmm. But most people will pick up a supplemental plan, prescription plan, and that could be anywhere from, I don't know, 80 to another $150 a month. So you're at probably like 300, Bucks a month, $250 to $300 a month just for premiums, but then you wanna factor in prescription costs and things like that. So most professionals that I've talked to in the health insurance industry are very comfortable with like a um, $300 to $500 a month cost all in for healthcare, post 65. Mm -hmm. So for you though, we have that nine year gap. So I did put in, we can go on the high side. I just went right in the middle and said 400 bucks a month roughly for healthcare um, post 65, which actually I need to pull up the year that you turn 65, which is, that's 2029. So 2033. Um, Looks like you'll be, oops, no, so I have to put that in. I wasn't sure um, what you were going to say in terms of mm-hmm. when your ideal retirement was. So what did I just say? Twenty thirty three. So we need coverage from retirement through the end of twenty thirty two. We'll make sure those years line up in a okay. moment. Um, so let's pop in a solo health care expense line item, and that will be um, individual health care. I mean, I would I would assume at least. Seven fifty a month.
1: I would go more. Uh, you would go more. Do you want yeah. to use a thousand? Uh, yeah, okay. a thousand.
0: A thousand a month. Uh, yeah, have that one monthly, and that will be for you from retirement to December of twenty thirty-two. All right, it. and we'll make sure we'll just pull up that cash flow report one more time. I just like to Thank eyeball you. that to make sure things are lining up, and that's going to be a big number in future dollars as well. Um, so actually I need to refresh it and bump it out. Uh, we'll do, we'll re- I can only show 10 years at a time, but you can see, um healthcare related expenses. Uh, where is my ca- Oh, here we go. Medical expenses. This is that roughly what they are now. Mm-hmm. And then um, here's how they changed that individual health plan at retirement. So future value of that 12,000 a year, 15,400 mm-hmm. roughly. And then if I bump this out further, you're gonna see that it's gonna change again. So you'll have about a nine year period of time of pretty substantial premiums. And then here you go, it drops back down. So that it's almost cut in in. half when Medicare kicks in. Okay, so we've accounted for that. Um, And I don't think there were any other expenses that we had to adjust, right? No, we put everything in, we adjusted the home ownership. Any other big expenses that you can foresee in your life? Renovations to the property before you sell it. Um, Anything else you can think of? No. Gifts. Okay, we have charitable contributions in there as well. Okay, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. The we're looking at the cash flow report and we're seeing some years where she has a uh, a hypothetical surplus um, of cash flow. Actually, I'm sorry. The more that I think about it, I, we're going to touch on that right now. The way if you look at 20. 20. So for Mm -hmm. next calendar year, if your income from your new position is $185,000, this is just hypothetical earnings from your portfolio, like I said, but it will come down here and reinvest it. The software knows that in in these working years, at least under this model, that you don't pull from your portfolio, correct? So you're not taking any earnings from your portfolio. So it's reinvesting any earnings that your non-retirement accounts generate. You've itemized some expenses for me. You had, I pulled from your uh, pay stub that you were maxing your the Roth component of your 401k. I would assume you would continue to do that. I definitely. Okay, I love that. Um, and so what the, uh, and then this is estimating federal, state and payroll taxes for you. Mm-hmm. It usually comes pretty close. Do you know what your federal tax bill was? Oh, I have it right here. I have it right here, but your income was but, different. Yeah, your income and was different. I did a
1: conversion. And you did so, a conversion. Yeah, so it really skewed things.
0: Okay, the The software is pretty close about um, getting a federal and state tax. Hold on, let me just see what it was last year. Though actually your income was okay. a little bit lower even with your bonus, but, um, but with the conversion, your taxable income was 170, your gross income was 193,000. So it's actually pretty close. So hold on, people. hold on. I'm just looking at our tax return. There's a lot of lines on this tax return. Total tax, 34,000. This is showing it at 42,000. So perhaps we're a little bit high, but if your income from work is higher, that could be correct. Um, if anything, it's a slightly conservative model. Do you want me to go in and... 34,000, but your gross was 192. I'm showing your gross at 185. You did the Roth conversions, qualified dividends. Oh, if you have any, mm-hmm. what we don't have is qualified dividends. So, okay, I think we should leave it. We can always come in and make a manual reduction if we think that that's accurate, but it's because you're, this tax year is different. Next check year, tax year will be different. I would say, let's just leave it for now. Okay, what this is saying is that this is a cash flow statement income minus expenses. Is there a surplus or a deficit? Mm-hmm. The software thinks that you have a $26,000 deficit for the calendar year 2020. Do you have an extra $2,000 a month that you don't need? Yep. Uh, the look on your face is indicating that no, you don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so not uncommon. So it, but actually, you're, you're, however, with the job change, I wonder if you will. Like last year, your income, your base was a, this year, excuse me, your base was 134. With there the was a bonus in there that bumped that up, mm-hmm. but did you did you save the bonus or did you spend the bonus? I saved it. Okay, so last year, this calendar year, you were living on $134,000 gross. Mm-hmm. If your income next year goes to $185,000, I think you might have a surplus. Even that's a 50, I mean, that's a $50,000 before tax difference. Your income looks higher over here last year because you did a Roth, partially because you did a Roth conversion. So it really wasn't like your spendable income wasn't higher. So if there's a $50,000 difference in your gross income, Mm -hmm. that's at least a $30,000 net difference, right? Right. So I think this is probably... This is probably you're, you're you're essentially break-even cash flow now after you put money in the 401k it, with your prior position. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, essentially, I, I would say
1: that I should have extra.
0: Yeah, I think you'll yeah, have, yeah. and I think that that's probably not unreasonable because I if agree. you because you were if you were living on 134 and you're going to 185. You and I mean, you could find ways to spend that difference, but that the I'm way that going. we, but okay, I love it, I love it. Oh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going, going to shake your head now, I'm not going to, yeah. So, okay, so this is probably pretty close to accurate then with the exception of the year in which you sell the house, which right. I'll change. But um, so uh, it, there's two ways for me to handle a surplus of cash flow, And this is five years worth of pretty significant surpluses, 26,000, yep. 35,000, 35,000. And then um, I can either ignore it conservative way or I can add it to the portfolio. Definitely. I, I, no, yes, I don't know you all that well yet, Bridget, yeah. but no, but knowing you, you're gonna uh, add it to the portfolio. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what I can do is I can just add. Um, anytime we have a surplus, I can just direct it to your non-retirement dollars. Yes. So I'm just gonna say, let's. You're pretty. You pay pretty close attention. I'm gonna direct 100% of your surplus mm-hmm. until the year of retirement to that uh, financial account. And if we refresh this uh, report right here it's gonna vaporize that surplus yeah. and it added it to your non, what I called your non-qualified or your non-retirement account. And actually I'm gonna do the same in the year of retirement because that's the year that you sell the property and you will have a significant surplus because of the equity in the property, even after you purchase the, uh, the van, the camper. All right, so I have to just bump that out a year and then that should be good. Okay, so good. Some, sometimes people have, it, sometimes, it's not uncommon for people to underestimate their spending. And so sometimes when we see a surplus like that and they're kind of like, "Well, oh, that doesn't exist. I misunderstood a, you. I
1: thought it, you were saying it was a deficit. And oh, that's why I gave no. you that look. Oh, no, 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 no,
0: no. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, no, you definitely don't have a deficit. Okay. No, we know that you're a good saver. Um, okay, no, um, that's funny. I'm glad you said that. Okay, so now we've said, it, yep, it basically as a result of your income increasing, you're, after the after-tax amount, incre- exactly after amount of that increase, almost um, exactly the after-tax amount of that increase in your income, we're directing it to, you have non-retirement investment accounts, which we'll get to right now. Um, and that's the surplus, that's you sell the property, purchase the van for camping, are traveling the country. And then that's the, after some expenses in that year, that's the after-tax amount of that. Okay, good. So last, um, we're, we're getting there, Bridget, we're getting there. We're still good on time. Okay, um, financial accounts, sort of the last screen of the data entry and then Mm -hmm. we're gonna have plenty of time to, to run some reporting and see how this looks. Um, you had given me a lovely spreadsheet of your, um, you called it tax and no tax assets. Yes. <laughs> so in my world, that is, uh, well, tax deferred. You have your no tax. So you have money in Roth investments and some traditional IRA investments. And whether that's 401k, IRA, rollover, SEP, uh, in my world, I'm just calling that IRAs and 401ks. So the, okay. the re- accounts where you receive the deduction and they'll be taxable to you later. And then as we stated earlier, you have some pretty significant dollars in Roths. You have over... Wait, did I do that math right? Hold on, I said you had over $500,000 yep, in correct. Roths. Yeah, okay, yep. mm-hmm. perfect. So you have a little bit over $500,000 in Roths. You've been contributing to Roths and also doing some con- converting of traditional retirement accounts to Roths. So that's great. Um, and those w- that will be tax-free after age 59 and a half. And actually, you, as you probably know, you can pull Roth dollars out. You can pull your yeah. capital out pre 59 and a half um, if you've had it open for five years, which obviously you have. Um, and then you have some, uh, you have some assets you have about a little bit over a million. I actually broke out the company stock just because I had already had a line item for the employer stock purchase plan. Okay. Um, so these two are your non-retirement dollars. So Bridget has a little bit over a million in non-retirement um, dollars. In my world, we call that non-qualified accounts. Non-retirement is just a world word that people understand. Um, and these <coughs> and and th- because you're anticipating retiring before. I guess in my world, a normal retirement age of after 59 and a half, it's great that you have some non-retirement dollars that you can draw from, not necessarily without tax consequences, but without the tax penalty involved in drawing in retirement before 59 and a half. So that's great. Um, and um, the way that Bridget's assets are currently structured is that she had, overall, I'm sure you did the math, overall, it looked to me that you're about 60% stock, 40% bond. Mm-hmm. So it looks like overall, you have about like a balanced portfolio if we factor in your 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 entire 2.3 million um and i think that that's based on wanting to retire in 5 years perfectly appropriate um but i think you, you're it's interesting in that and and not an uncommon strategy in that you have all of your stock exposure in your non-retirement assets and all of your bond exposure in your retirement assets. Um, and we could probably spend like an entire show talking about this strategy versus more of a traditional strategy, but but is what it is, might might be something that you consider tweaking as you get closer to needing to draw money out of your portfolio, but maybe not actually. It depends on the, the rate of draw and, and taxes year over year. Did you have a comment on that?
1: No, but I, I, th- I think that's interesting that you talk about adjusting that as I need to take the money out, right? Because of the stability of the cash correct. and the bond versus stock, right? Correct, correct,
0: yeah. And actually, as I look through this, do you have a large... You don't have a large cash position anywhere. Not that you necessarily- I do,
1: actually in my savings. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah,
0: okay, all right.
1: So you have have my statements for that. You
0: gave me that. I generally ignore bank cash unless it's very substantial, just because you need an emergency reserves account. And I don't want the software to spend that. So actually I wanna say that you had maybe 100 or 140 between checking and money market. Mm -hmm. What do you think is a comfortable emergency reserves that you want me to ignore from from spend? Like you don't want me the software to spend it. That might be a touch high for Mm -hmm. emergency reserves reserves. I
1: always think of six to nine months of salary yep. for the emergency fund.
0: Yeah. So after taxes, so you need, well, we had your monthly expenses right here we had your annual expenses yeah, so actually so you need 50 55 uh, annually 60 grand so if you had 50 grand in savings that would be pretty sufficient mm-hmm. okay so, it, so you want me to do you want me to take some so if you have 100 well some of it was in checking you had 140 um, i'm going to call Minus. this spendable cash how about that And then we're gonna have that, we can spend that. So of your 140, you want me to take 90 and call it spendable and take 50 and call it emergency? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So you do have a cash position that's spendable. So spendable cash, 90,000. And then I'm gonna, just so we remember that we did it, I'm gonna do emergency cash. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, people, would draw from their non-retirement accounts first, just because it's most tax efficient in that current year. So so deferring a draw from retirement accounts, Ross, of course, the exception, um, deferring that is generally speaking better for your tax position in that year. However, if you think about y- y- if you were to do that and draw just from your non-retirement assets and your Roths, actually I should okay, just from your non-retirement assets before 70, you would you could have a pretty substantial required distribution post 70, so you might right. you might want to blend it and have Uh, and and draw some from the retirement accounts because your tax bracket will be different post 56 too. So draw some from your retirement accounts tax efficiently and not just completely defer until 70 and and wear your RMD. Um, I just, um, your Roth money is mostly Roth IRAs or, or Roth 401ks? Mostly Roth IRAs. Okay, that's good. Because you know that there's a required distribution from a Roth 401k, but not a Roth IRA. Okay, I just wanted to tell the software that um, that it's mostly Roth IRAs. Um, okay, good. So overall, balanced portfolio. Obviously, as you approach retirement, you're going to want to be sure that um, you have, I would say, like a year or two of cash readily available, yes. cash or very safe securities readily available. You're 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 starting to have that actually. I mean, maybe you just um, you could just slowly build on that um, ninety over mm-hmm. time. But we're not we're skipping ahead a little bit because we don't exactly know like what your cash needs are and we can use our report to um, figure that out in a moment. Um, So can, should we, uh, are you okay assuming, so I did, because you have the non-retirement accounts all stock, I did, I did, my this this software we have to make an assumption for a rate of return, mm-hmm. and so where overall your moderate risk, I do want to apply like a stock return and stock uh, variability to the non-retirement assets, and same thing where your retirement assets are pretty conservatively invested to offset um, the the stock exposure in your non-retirement assets. So I'm applying like I'm assuming the qualified money grows at a little bit of a lower rate of return long term, mm-hmm. and vi- and the opposite with the non- Non-retirement assets. So I did break that down here in the software. Is it your intention to keep your non-retirement dollars in equities or in stocks and keep that aggressive, or are you anticipating no. a shift? Okay, so I'm what's your shift?
1: When I get closer to retirement, I'm going to shift more into uh, more conservative types of
0: funds. What about the retirement dollars? Will those stay roughly? The same it exposure? from the
1: timeline of when I'm yeah. gonna be taking the money out. So as I get older, I'm gonna be, my portfolio as a whole is gonna get more conservative.
0: Yeah, okay. So in that case, what I'll do is I'll just take this roughly a million dollars in stock exposure and in retirement, I can reduce the assumed return and variability of that. For now, for now, I'll assume it goes to... You're gonna make a substantial decrease in risk in the in the non-retirement dollars, because if you if, if you take your all-stock million mm-hmm. and you make that a balanced in and of itself, which mm-hmm. is sixty stock, forty bond, I can certainly model that. But then, but then are but then you're very conservative with the retirement dollars, so then that translates to like an ultra-conservative portfolio. Or are you gonna increase? Ri- or you're yeah, gonna increase risk, probably point. in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this to like a moderately conservative probably what you, I'm gonna drop this to a moderately conservative and then stay conservative with your retirement dollars. So all in all, you're blending to like, a, to a little bit less aggressive than a balanced. So right now you're, you're overall moderate risk. So are you gonna, you're gonna end up tilting to the conservative?
1: No, I wanna. You wanna stay moderate I, yeah, risk. So oh, you're just gonna a, shift it. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna shift okay, it. okay, okay, yeah, okay. Okay. So, oh, okay. So I wasn't aware okay. of, what you just mentioned about, you know, making sure in the non-tax accounts, making sure that I have a balance within that. Yep. So when I go back and revise my portfolio, when yep. I balance it, I'm going to take that into consideration. Because right now I was just looking at my. Um, Your overall. I was looking at overall, yeah. and I was looking at trying to be as tax efficient
0: as possible. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. I have to relook at the way maybe, I, maybe. It's a, it depends on what we come up with for an income strategy. Okay, maybe like you. Yeah, I mean you're. I think you're going to want to reduce risk at least a little with some of the positions in the non-retirement dollars because you can't. You're going to be drawing some dollars from. Non-retirement, exactly, and so you can't have that be pure stock exposure exactly. and risk a forty percent downturn. So yeah, I don't know the the extent to which you'll need to do that yet, because don't forget you have half a million in Roth dollars, and you can you you're going to be in a place where you can draw a pretty significant amount from Roth amount from Roth dollars and non-retirement dollars and some from your your traditional IRA dollars just to skim some out in a low tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually have a lot of options. I think it, and you'll and you'll have some options when it comes to creating an income plan, which we might not quite have time for today. But um, I think we can help you answer that in a moment when we go through this. And we're just starting to, what we can do here after the break is you'll see like this software will give us projected draw from the portfolio year over year. And the software by default will draw from your non-retirement accounts first and your Roth Mm -hmm. accounts first and will fully delay IRA, which you might not want to do, but we can talk about that in a moment. You're listening to McNamara on money. We're just taking a quick break. We're doing some planning. We'll be right back. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're doing some financial modeling today. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, we're doing some financial planning this morning with a uh, with a real live volunteer, Bridget, stage name, of course. And we're working through a retirement plan for her. And we're just kind of, we're just getting to the fun part. And I'm talking quickly because I don't wanna run out of time um, to do some modeling for Bridget. But we had a lot of great conversations working through some um, data entry and getting her model created and, and, and um, talking with Bridget about your goals for retirement, which is great and a little bit non-traditional as i said but it's it's a great uh, it's great to talk about and um, illustrate on the air for people and we've uh, we spent a little bit of time itemizing some cash flow um, ongoing for you which is a great way for me to ensure accurate data entry of course but also a way for us to look out in retirement and kind of say hey what is uh, what does the software think you're going to need from your portfolio in terms of dollars and then we can use that to back into a withdrawal rate um, and and now we're just getting to kind of the the fun part where we are um, where we're gonna look we're looking at sustainability of the plan essentially um, so what this I I pulled up, I'm gonna, let's focus on this. And I know it's hard for our listeners who, who aren't um, looking at what we're looking at. And sometimes I do a screen share, but um, I, I for whatever reason I didn't today. So I apologize for that. But um, th- this chart is a good visual for where dollars are will hypothetically come from in retirement. So you, uh, this chart starts in 2024, the year of your retirement. And, and it will show the colors represent where monies theoretically come from. The blue line represents your expenses. So it's like, they call it your total needs. It's the expenses that you've defined for me, plus an estimate for income, federal and state income taxes. So so this is your expense line. It increases over time with inflation. And these little mountains here are your car purchases periodically. <laughs> and then we have, um, there's a dip here. I, I, uh, health. Sorry, this is probably a healthcare related dip here. Yeah, Uh, I'll have to check that out. There's like a little uh, valley in your plan and I'm gonna, this spike here is related to uh, forced distributions from Mm -hmm. your IRA and taxes associated with that. I'd have to look and see what that little dip is there in 2024, but it's 2020, yeah, 2034, but it's pretty small. So this is just a good visual. So it's like, here's, this is where I need to get to. And how am I gonna get there? Where's my money gonna come from for me to get there? There's a huge spike in your first year because purple is earned income. You have earned income in that year of retirement. You retire at the end of the year and then you're anticipating selling your property that year. And so that's why there's, the scale is off a little bit there. That's sale of property and purchase of the van. So that's, that scale is off there. But then all this blue here is money from your non-retirement account. You call it your tax account. So, so what I call Non-qualified assets. So the software by default, as I said off-air, will draw from the most tax efficient place in current year, which isn't always the same strategy as the most tax efficient place to draw, factoring in the life your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about year over year, it's gonna be most tax efficient for you to draw from it would be most tax efficient for you to draw from the Roth probably from the Roth not necessarily and and maybe partially from the the non-retirement accounts and and then the software by default will draw will wait until um, it either has to because you have no other monies or wait until 70 and a half and force your required distributions from your IRA which this software is doing because you have a significant enough amount of money in non-retirement accounts to delay your reco- to delay draw from your IRAs until required distributions at age 70 and a half though as we talked about off air and sometimes I talk about on the show is that factoring in the grand scheme of your life you may want to start drawing from your IRA before you're forced to because in these years we're you're taking money from Roths and from non-retirement accounts with, and actually, we didn't talk about cost basis, but we have to come back in there. Where you're just paying capital gains taxes on the growth mm-hmm. um, on the on what you what you liquidate, then um, you're going to be in lo- these are low tax bracket years for you. So you might as well take advantage of some low tax bracket years, and actually, you there you could actually continue to do Roth conversions in those l- low tax bracket years or you could simply draw from retirement account and use that as your spendable income in those years. So those, those are two strategies where, gosh, we could do some analysis, but probably you kind of like end up in the same place, whether you Roth convert and draw from your, retire- from your non-retirement account or whether you draw from the IRA and use that as cash and let your other assets grow. I mean, all in all, you're probably in the same place, but those are a couple of good tax strategies to pursue. Um, Do do you have, the software by default will draw from your non-retirement first and then it will go to your Roth and then it will go to your IRA. Is that Mm -hmm. fair enough for you or are you, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of where you would draw from first?
1: I think that makes sense. That's what my plan was going to be. Okay,
0: I'm just gonna force a little bit of a draw from your retirement account. Um, because the software doesn't by default do that. But are you are you um, okay going with a strategy of let's, let's I would call it like skimming the retirement account? Yes. Um, okay, and the retirement dollars, I'm getting deductible retirement dollars, which will be taxable later at about three quarters of a million. So does that sound about right? They have like $730,000.
1: In my IRAs. In your IRAs That's plus
0: correct. 401ks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's do like a reasonable draw. Let's do like a, if we did like a 4% draw on today's dollars, that'd be 30000 You know, it's a, it's a tax, it's a year over year tax play. And actually, we have a, we have a, change in the tax code, coincidentally in 2025, it's it's set to sun, our current tax code is set to sunset and revert back to prior tax code in 2025. I mean, how much you would draw out of your IRA would depend on your other sources of income and your other tax activity in that year and what the tax code is in that year. Mm -hmm. I would just do like, for now, I'm just gonna do, um, I don't know, a 25 or a $30,000 draw, just like a little skim from the retirement Mm -hmm. account just to get some dollars out. Um, Yeah, let's call it 30,000. But really you would want to probably like wait till the end of the year and, and make an estimate of, um, you know, what are my what's my other tax activity this year and what can I skim out without bumping into the next tax bracket? Um, so I'll just, I'll start that and I'll go, um, I'm, just, I'm just manually entering a draw from the retirement account before 70. So it's like 2038, 2039. Okay. Um, and that shouldn't be a huge tax event for you because your other, Taxable income should be relatively minimal that year, other than activity in your non-retirement account. Um, okay, so sorry, I'm bouncing around here. I'm getting to a lot of different reports, but this, um, I like this chart here. Sorry, I made it bigger so that we could see it, but now I have to refresh it. I like this chart here because it's a good it's a good visual. Uh, um, yes. So now you can see that that changed. And this brown here is, yeah, it's, it's that manual draw of some Mm -hmm. money from your retirement Mm -hmm. account. Now, really you wouldn't take it in the year of retirement. I should, I should eliminate that. Um, So that will slightly reduce what you're taking from your non-retirement assets. And it also will serve to slightly reduce your, your forced distribution from your retirement account um, at post 70 and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this chart is generated, assuming that your accounts are in the same rate of return every year indefinitely, which we didn't talk about. So let's, what are, um, you're pretty well read, and you do you do your own portfolio. So, what would you like to use for assumptions regarding rates of return on your money? You can either, you can give me a portfolio by portfolio. I'm sorry, you can give me a portfolio return, or you can give me like your conservative money versus your aggressive money return. Or well, what, what do you want to assume? One,
1: so you, it looks like you already put in yeah, some rates I did. of return. I <laughs> I thought they were a little low. Okay. But um.
0: What do you want to assume? Be- yes, I did do that because I looked at your overall strategy and your level of risk. So your stock bond ratio. Mm-hmm. And we try to use what we think is realistic, but on the conservative side, um, assumed rates of return. So like for your, your retirement money's tilt to the conservative. And so this is like, Uh, a five, I usually use like a five-ish, five and a quarter return for like a 30 to 40% stock portfolio. Mm -hmm. And we think that's hopefully realistic, but on the low side long-term. And then for- um, stock monies, like your non retirement account is all stock, and we use usually between seven and nine, but I, I like to be on the conservative, conservative side, side for that. So I use like a seven and a half for stock monies. For like a balanced portfolio, I generally use a five and a half or a six for on average over a long period of time. So we could, because you're sort of managing your monies as a portfolio versus mm-hmm. account by account, right. we could use a portfolio return for you if you want. But this is your plan. So we can use whatever number you want.
1: Uh, I want to use a portfolio. Okay. Return. So I'm just
0: going to, so even though your are actually invested differently. I'm going to use a moderate risk return
1: mm-hmm.
0: for your all of your accounts. Yes. Okay. And what's your definition of that? What's a moderate risk return for you? Seven percent. Okay. Um. You know? Do you know what standard deviation is? Yes, I do. Oh, what do you want to use for it? Oh, of course oh. you do. <laughs> I forgot about what your occupation is. Of course you do. So, my I, so so for our I listeners don't know what a standard deviation for
1: a stock portfolio is. I know what it...
0: You know what it is. So, a stock, so for our listeners, a, a standard deviation is a measure of the very uh, volatility in a portfolio and the vol mm-hmm. and the variability of returns. So, a stock portfolio would have a higher standard deviation because the, the variability in the returns is much wider than a more conservative portfolio has. Um, the range of returns is tighter right. um, and has a lower standard deviation. So, like for our stock portfolio, I think we use a sixteen percent for a standard deviation. Mm-hmm. Hold on, what do we? I have the I have our models in here, okay. like our and what we think are hopefully conservative estimates. So I use a 16% as a standard deviation for an all stock portfolio. For a moderate portfolio, we assume a 10% standard deviation. Okay. So if you're doing a moderate portfolio, we'll use a seven, we'll use your number for a rate of return, but let's use the same standard deviation number that we use for our moderate risk. You okay with that? I'm
1: okay with that.
0: Okay, so let me just go through here and do, um, I was kind of, I was... I was trying to go like account by account with the range of returns, but because you're making some adjustments, um, I think it's fine to, and and you're managing your portfolio really as a portfolio. Mm -hmm. So it's just easier to model for me to kind of go through. That's a little position. We don't need to do that one. Um, And I'm gonna use a 7% rate of return and a 10% standard deviation. And standard deviation will, it's an important piece of data entry in the software. Did I make a mistake here? Well, I, I was just
1: thinking, this is, a, this is the moderate. So wouldn't this, cause the stocks are 16% standard deviation, right?
0: Yeah, were you saying you, I thought we were using a moderate risk return for like all your money. Or, we are, or do yes. you, Okay. So
1: that means that you'll use the 10% standard yes. deviation? Okay. Yes, I was going okay. to do that. Is that okay, okay with yes. you? For all
0: of the monies? Yes. For all the accounts, okay. Um. Yeah, so I just have to override that, and I'll use your seven. I'm I'm overriding my number, so I'm using a seven percent return for you, but my same ten percent standard deviation. These numbers are just different because this is your non-retirement monies where there's tax consequences, and I know that you're using, like, uh, it's uh, I don't this is because your non-retirement dollars generate a 1099 and there's tax mm-hmm. consequences for right. it. It, it. We don't have enough time today to figure out if all these numbers right. are correct in terms of assume, what, what's deferred growth, what's taxable dividend, what's taxable interest. Um, so I'm just I'm just using the the blanket return. All right, so we're almost done there. I think we're good. So now you see as we come down here, well, let me just change that one. 7% return across the board mm-hmm. for moderate risk dollars. And then um, 10% standard deviation, which is just a, a deviation consistent with a moderate risk portfolio. I don't, or I don't assume a rate of return on cash. So you can see obviously cash yep. there. Okay, one other pretty important question though. Do you know what cost basis is? No. Uh, tax basis?
1: It will oh, the original amount that you invested before you had growth? Is that-
0: yes, it starts at the original amount that you invest in a non-retirement account. But as dividends and interest are reinvested, your tax basis grows over time. So I'm assuming you've been reinvesting dividends in this I non-retirement have. account. Yes. So if so, if you you're million and you're one million dollars in non-retirement have you had that money? Have you been saving that money for like your lifetime or mm-hmm. did you inherit money at some point? No. You've been saving it for your lifetime. So geez, um, uh, um, f- to ru- your basis and I mean, someone that has a high basis relative to value is someone that hasn't been an investor for a very long time. So in your million, your basis probably isn't 950,000. Um, for someone that um, hasn't been an investor for 20 years with this money, could be.
1: I started investing when I was
0: 21. Okay, so 22, 30 years for mm-hmm. this money. Um, always been aggressive? Yes. Okay, so you're, you have a likely a relatively low basis to value. Um, and so, geez, I don't know, four or 500,000. I mean, you must have some pretty substantial growth. Over a 30-year period of time in an all-stock portfolio, mm-hmm. um, so I would, you know, go. This is all information that should be in your statements. In other words, it will say original cost or cost basis, and it and it will show, and it might have a column for unrealized capital gain or unrealized gain, or might just say gain, and that's your if you were to sell it off, your your taxable gain at the time of sale. But what we really need is relative to the million what is your your tax basis because what what's left determines what you're going to pay capital gains on and that changes the that that changes the efficiency from a tax perspective of that large chunk of money. Your Roth is your most tax efficient chunk of money. Your retirement accounts are your least tax efficient. And this one is in the middle. But you have some pretty substantial gains here, but still capital gains taxes are lower than income taxes. Um, so, uh, you know, we're running out of time here. So we gotta go quick, but I'm just gonna make a, um, no, that's your emergency fund. I just have to apply a tax basis relative mm-hmm. to the million. I'm gonna use 500,000 for lack of, um, for lack of, because it's not just what you put into it. It's also reinvested dividends over 30 years. So right. it's not gonna be like, if you invested 100,000, it's not gonna be that. It's gonna be more substantial than that. Could be lower than that. I don't know. Let's leave it there. Um, so that's, but that's definitely something that you wanna check into and just be prepared for, Um Uh, tax consequences of drawing money out of that account. Okay, Um, so again, this chart is generated using the same rate of return on your monies every year indefinitely, not realistic when you're an investor because obviously we have variations in return, but what we can do now is we can run a probability analysis. You know what Monte Carlo is. Yes. So this is, it, it'll it'll use that standard deviation that we that we gave That's it, 20. that 10% standard deviation. I can run, I'm gonna run 500 projections for now. We can run a thousand, but it just takes a little bit more time. Um, and generally there's not much variability between running 500 and a okay. thousand, but this will run a thousand, this is, I'm sorry, 500 iterations of your plan. And it will vary the rate of return on your money every year of of the of those five hundred iterations, and it will give us a probability of not running out of money before your age one hundred, and you just have a big smile on your face because you can see that this is a very strong plan, <laughs> and that this is saying you have a ninety nine percent chance of your assets lasting for your life expectancy, which is a very long life expectancy. Congratulations! I mean, yes. you have a you have a sizable portfolio, you have um, relatively modest expenses, re- especially relative to your new level of interest. Income um, and modest expenses, just um, just at that, and 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 though it's a, we're planning for a long period of time, it looks very successful to you. Um, I, I would I, let. Can we just? I just want to lower the rate of return on the money and see how much impact oh, yeah. that makes. Okay, great. I, I, and and number one, so you can't control markets, obviously, but you can control how it's invested. And I generally favor. Um, you know, I I guess I just want to run it a little bit more conservatively, Mm -hmm. but I also want you to know that like generally as an investor, at least with the majority of your money, most investors anyway, you might not want to take more risk than you have to take. Like we talked earlier about, yeah, you're planning to live a long life in retirement. You're going to need stock exposure to outpace inflation Mm -hmm. and grow your actual wealth. But if you don't need to take a lot of risk with your money, you might just want to know that. and, And that's kind of like just a sense of security. So allow me to just don't, be nervous. I'm going to drop it to five. We're assuming a seven and, and just, you know, Mark, we've had an incredible decade in the markets. I don't know what the next, next decade or two brings. And I want you, I just want you to know this. And I also want, and again, you can couple that with, um, if you wanted to get more conservative, I want you to know if you could afford it. So that was my intent there of lowering. So now I lowered the rates of return on your money from seven to five, and we're going to see in a minute if- how it didn't change it? It didn't change. It's refreshing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there's the same number. No, it's okay. not the same. It's gonna change. I just want um, to see the difference. The return of your money for many people's plans. The return of your portfolio isn't always the most substantial variable but when it's a very long plan, it could be. So I I want you to, I wanted to see how impactful that is. So if your portfolio assumes on average 5%, you still have an 87% chance of not running out of your money before you're age 100. And by the way, we talked about reducing travel related expenses. I didn't actually go back and do that. Right. right. I don't know if we did that on air or off air, but we talked about, you might not travel until you're 100 at 10 grand a year. Um, I didn't actually go back and do that. Um, So yes, return of your portfolio is important, especially for a long plan, but I just want you to feel better about if you're not, if the markets don't cooperate and you don't hit those targets for the next 20 or 30 years, or if you decide you wanna get more conservative a little bit, then this still looks okay. Right, right? and then
1: as you'd mentioned, if I, when I get, in my 80s and 90s I won't be traveling as much so right. that cost goes down right, yeah. so and
0: I didn't that even helps. I didn't even make that adjustment which I can I can go do that now sometimes I um sometimes I drop travel at a certain point in the future or sometimes I um uh, like take the inflation out of it, but for you, I'll just like we could just take ten years off of it. And maybe you travel yes. to ninety. Fair okay, enough. Sometimes fair we enough. can step it down, but that's that will just take a little bit more time than we have. Um, yeah. So I mean, the the one, the one, actually one thing I want to do is is grab a, like a withdrawal rate for you because I'm sure you, you're you well read on withdrawal rates yeah, from portfolios. Exactly. Yep. Whereas generally speaking 4%, generally right. considered yeah. to be a sustainable rate. However, with a 44 year time horizon in retirement, you probably wanna be on the low side of a withdrawal rate. You might wanna exactly. be in the threes. <laughs> um, and, and so just eyeballing that ongoing. So I wanted to, we can look at the numbers. Um, but I also, oh, I had one other thing to say and I totally lost it. All right, let's go here and um, let's pull from this cash flow report. And you, h- however, you're in a situation where in the first, uh, 14 years, your withdrawal rate is gonna be higher than it will after that because you're delaying social security. Well, Oh, <laughs> healthcare and social security. Yes. That's right, so the first 10 years is high, then it steps down a little bit. Then when social security kicks in, it and actually steps again, down more. Right. Um. So yeah, so a withdrawal rate on the high-ish side in the first few years, while it might be slightly uncomfortable, we know it's would be temporary. temporary and yeah. you can, you know, the, the social security conversation can also be, you can also play it by year. Like if, if, if your, um, draw from the portfolio pre social security is, you know, starts at 4%, but then we have a turn in the markets depending on how you're invested. And then it's 5% and then it's five and a half percent. And you're starting yeah. to get uncomfortable. You can That's always point. file for social security. Right. And because you, because you know, you're always going to be want to as your if your portfolio takes a temporary decline in value, of course you're going to be, want to be drawing from your cash and trying not to sell off your portfolio when it's down in value. But it, if your cash starts running too low, yeah. you can fall back on Social Security. What, one thing I just wanted to say to you is um, many because you won't be a home you, because you might not be a homeowner in retirement. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I just want, like many people that I do planning for, let's say their plan comes out at you know, 75, 85% success. So so maybe not perfect and a little bit of room for error there, but most people would have equity in a property to fall back on right? and you won't. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna wanna make sure that your plan is very strong and, and, and you know evaluated ongoing because you don't have that to fall back on, the equity in the property. Right. You, however, you do have enough wiggle room in your expenses with that travel budget and things where you could, Right. like pull back, some pull back in right. some years based on what markets are doing. So you do have something to fall back on. Um, but I just wanted to point that out because yeah. most people would have equity in a property and you can tap equity in various ways. So just wanted to throw that back on. Uh, just wanted to throw that out. Do you have any questions? What, what other information? I did want to yeah, throw withdrawal. Draw down rate, draw down rate yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's look at the first full year of retirement, which was 2025. So remember that I... Um, I just wanna, yeah. Remember that we did a manual draw from the retirement account at Mm 30,000 and then it's drawing 48,000. So that's 78,000 from your cash. And then the way that you read this is that it's, yeah. And then the the hypothetical earnings from your portfolio Mm -hmm. here, I just wanted to make sure it's not reinvesting it. It's not. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're drawing in that first year, 52,000. Um, a hundred and thirty thousand from your portfolio, and it looks like oh, there's a car purchase. Oh no, 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 that, that's traveling the country, traveling the that's country. That's right. I just wanted to see what if the there's draw was
1: actually the van, right? And I just thought of something. We put the van in at full value instead of half.
0: We put but the van in at full value instead of so you could buy a hundred and sixty thousand dollar van. <laughs> that'd be a really nice right. van. Yeah. that'd be a really nice van. Um, you're right. Okay, we. Uh, Small factor in your life. I just wanted to see why this rate of draw dropped. Oh, because, oh, I'm sorry, there is a car. Per- in 2025, we assumed there's a car purchase. So in the first year where you're mm-hmm. traveling the country but you don't have the rent, those are almost the same value. You are drawing 130,000 from the portfolio, but like twenty-five thousand yeah. of that is for a car. Yeah, and you wouldn't buy a car. No. You wouldn't buy a car the year that <laughs> and you're traveling in the, the country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. All right. But anyway, but what I was yeah. saying is that the next year's draw is more of the normal draw right. where that's seventy-two, a hundred, a hundred and ten thousand dollars, right? So, yeah. so let's go with like your normal draw from the yeah. portfolio at about a hundred and ten. This is twenty twenty-five. This this report right here will Project forward your net worth. So if I look at this is this is 10 years from now. Let me go back a couple years. Oh, I can go back here. Um, so like your current net worth. Um, this will include the equity. This one will include the equity in your home, two point six five million. But if we if we fast forward to that twenty twenty six, that year mm-hmm. that you're starting to rent and you've already traveled, this is in a perfect world where you're earning that same rate of return every year indefinitely. Yeah. But it's just going to be <laughs> yeah. so the the house goes away. So this is just your assets, but equity from the house was added to your portfolio. So it's calling I it's see. it's ballparking your net worth at three and a half million. If you're drawing a hundred and ten thousand, that's close enough. From uh, I did. Wrong. 110,000 from 3.5 million, that's a very reasonable rate of draw percent. Okay. That's, yeah, exactly, that's what yeah. exactly what we just talked about. That's exactly what right. we just talked about. we're, we're you, you won't want to, at least in the, be, in the first 10 years or so, you won't want to be abiding by that 4% rule. I think you should play a conservative because you're My in you're is a very so long. long retirement, which is not uncommon for people to live a very long life in retirement. It just They just keep getting longer and longer. So that's, that's great. And like we talked about earlier, it's even a little bit more conservative because you're... Uh, remember, your health care will go down and then your social security will kick in. And so your rate of draw is starting at 3% and then will go lower. So, this yeah. is why your plan looks successful because your rate of draw is anticipated to be very reasonable. And that's why this even looked good at a 5% rate of return because you're drawing less than that and you have enough of a buffer to withstand markets um, where you don't earn that five to seven percent rate of return. I told you this would fly by. We only you're have right. two more minutes. I <laughs> say like everyone comes in they're like two hours and I have to be here the whole time. <laughs> but um but this was super fun. Do you it have was. any and obviously if you have questions after this, I would welcome you to come into my office and we can okay. finish this or we can chat on the phone. Happy to finish this for you as a big thank you for volunteering today. Do you have any quick questions that I can answer like right no, now?
1: No, that was great. Okay. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. I um, I Oh my gosh, it goes by so quickly. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I've been talking this morning with Bridget. I want to thank you very, very much for volunteering to do this model. Congratulations, you've done well accumulating your monies. Thank you have you. modest expenses relative to your income and your plan looks very successful long term. But like I said, happy to finish it and make any modifications for you um, as a thank you very much. Um, thanks for listening everyone. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You've been listening to McNamara on money. I hope that was helpful for you today. If you don't have a retirement plan, consider getting one. 781 2010 If you need to call me at the office or you can always visit me at McNamaraFinancial.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.